The Dudes of Kung Fu podcast is brought to you by Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. Wing Chun Illustrated is the premier publication for Wing Chun. Published six times a year, Wing Chun Illustrated is a perfect bound, full-color, glossy publication. Each 60-page issue comes packed with in-depth content and feature stories by and about the world's greatest exponents of Wing Chun, regardless of lineage or style. Wing Chun Illustrated has featured people like Imin Bostepe, Philip Bayer, Yip Chun, Gary Lam, Donald Mack, Samuel Kwok, David Peterson, Chan Chi Man, Mark Phillips, Wan Kam Leung, Sam Lau, Robert Chu, Sifu Sergio, Victor Ken, and many, many more. There are two ways you can enjoy this fantastic publication. Go to wingchunillustrated.com and order the magazine as a print-on-demand. The print quality is simply amazing. Or download the Magster app and get a subscription. That's Magster, M-A-G-Z-T-E-R. This way, when the new issue hits the stands, you'll automatically receive it as a download onto your smart device for offline reading. In fact, with your new Magster account, you can access the magazine on multiple devices, iOS, Android, Kindle Fire, and web browser. To make the deal even sweeter, listeners of the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast can use the coupon code DUDES to get a six-month complimentary digital subscription. That coupon code is DUDES, typed in all capital letters. Go to Magster, again M-A-G-Z-T-E-R, to register, add the six-month subscription to the cart, and apply the coupon code at checkout. The Dudes of Kung Fu love Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Dudes of Kung Fu. This week, uh, Alex and I have Sifu Brian Cuddle on, who is a Choi Le Foot instructor under Grandmaster Doc Fai Wong. He was really funny, really smart, a uh, great guy to have on the show. Um, I am sure we're going to have him on again. Um, he's also, I think, him and Alex were separated at birth, and they clearly share the same, um, let's just call it beautician, because they look too much freaking alike. Anyway, sit back, enjoy the show. It's a lot of laughs. And uh, thanks for listening. Dudes of Kung Fu. Please welcome your host, Alex Richter and Big Sean Madigan. And we are back with another episode of the Dudes of Kung Fu. Alex, how are you, brother? Good, man. I'm actually recovering from a bit of a flu, uh, so I apologize. Yeah, if, uh, I, I said, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> how are you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You know, uh, it's uh, coming along. I'm enjoying my guitar. I'm taking new guitar lessons uh, from somebody and really liking it. So uh, things are going Wait well. Minute. Wait a minute. You said from somebody. Did you switch guitar sifus? Uh, please, I don't want my old guitar Sifu to know that I have a new guitar Sifu, but... Are you now uh, a rebel of your first guitar school? Yeah, I'm, I'm not allowed to play guitar anywhere on half of Staten Island, you know, it's... <laughs> but I, I, got, I finally got someone who can really just teach me acoustic blues, and I'm, I'm happy, man. I'm fucking happy. I suck at it really bad, but I'm really happy. He's able to break it down slow enough for you to understand the basics. It's, it's exactly right. It's, that's literally, it's put this finger here, you know. <laughs> yeah i had a pretty action-packed uh week because um as i mentioned before i'm gonna take the whole month off december off and i'm gonna go to florida so as a result my private lesson schedule has tripled and i kind of was really running in the red zone for the whole week and i paid the price 
this uh, last night and this morning and that I, I kind of caught a little bit of a little bit of a flu but I've, I've gotten over most of it I usually don't stay sick for too long and I uh, was at the uh, H HBO had an event on Friday uh, for the urban action showcase which is a chance for people to showcase uh, independent action movies and and so we were there with uh, uh, Lu Feng who I talked about on the last podcast with Bobby um, he's the centipede from the five deadly venoms and it was just really cool to hang out with him on a uh, you know to kind of get to know him and 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 now we're connected on, on our chat apps and like now I'm chatting with the centipede on my phone which is pretty damn awesome uh, I, I also got to be his translator which was really bizarre uh, I'm at the HBO event and they're like oh we don't have a translator for him are you gonna do it <laughs> and I'm like uh, but I got roped into it and then I turned to uh, 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 Lu Feng and I, I told him in Cantonese I said I'm gonna do the translation for you when you accept your award and I said to Vicanthony, so please, just say really simple things. <laughs> because, like, my Cantonese is, is, like, all right. But, like, if he starts, like, you know, going into, like, his motivation since he was a child, he might lose me in terms of being a decent translator. So I was just, like, just say easy things. And he literally said, like, thank you very much. For the last 30 years, it's been amazing to make these films, and I'm happy you appreciate it. Thank you. And that was it. And I was like, so I ended up looking like 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 the hero, and it was like, had he said anything else, I would have looked like a total moron up there, right? <laughs> but everyone was like, yeah, that white guy, he can really speak Chinese. And then for the rest of the night, everyone was like, they wanted to take a photo because he's the freaking centipede from the Venoms, but he actually does speak some basic English. So they would come up to me because they knew I was the Chinese-speaking guy, and they'd be like, because uh, I was next to him. I was like kind of helping him out with some stuff. And they're like, uh, do you think I could take a photo with him? And then I would turn to him and I'd say, oh, in English, I would say, oh, he wants to take a photo with you. <laughs> it was like really funny. Because they expected me to say it in Chinese. It was like, uh, yeah, he wants to take a photo. <laughs> so, That's cool. Um, like you had a good cool. time. Yeah, Michael Jai White showed up, which was which oh, was nice. cool. Because uh, it's the 20th anniversary of Spawn. That's why he was there, and and uh, he was a lot bigger than I thought he was going to be. He's like a serious, serious dude. Um, of course, Bobby Samuels was there, who was on our last podcast. Uh, Ron Van Cleef was there. It was really great oh, to see him. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and it was funny because he was like in a crowd of a bunch of people, and then he saw me, and he just came up to me and gave me a big hug, and and then and then he's like. He told me that uh, he just got work on the new Indiana Jones movie as a consultant, which is oh, really cool. awesome. He's 75 years old, and he's going to compete in a BJJ tournament in two weeks. I mean, the dude is like he's so old school, amazing. Tough, man, he's, that's like old man tough. I'm he's like, really that's, old. That's, that's yeah, really cool. he's definitely got that old man tough thing going on. And so, yeah, that was that was kind of my crazy week. With we did the spots for El Ray and and for Shaw Brothers at the school and. You know that was just really great. So now I um I really want to take a break and relax a little bit, but the next two weeks is going to be pure grind and pure hustle until I can make my way to Florida. So that's about it. All right, but then you're gonna lay in your ass for a month. So that's you know. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so um anyway uh there is a little bit of news about Connor. Like uh did you see what uh, Connor did uh, over there in uh, what was it Dublin? I can't believe it. I'll be honest with you. I'm really disappointed. And we I, as as you know, and everybody listens to the podcast knows, I'm a huge fan of Conor McGregor, as as are you. And I uh, was really disappointed in his actions. Um, I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know if it's uh, the fame is getting to his head. I don't know if he's – I don't know what the thing is. But for him to, to do what he did, I mean, you can run through a little quick synopsis of what he did. But, you know, shoving a ref, that's just – you just can't do that shit no matter what happens. You just can't touch a ref. You know, and there's no right. valid reason for it. You know, there's just 
You just can't do that shit. Keep your emotions in check. Be a man. Shut up and do, do what you got to do. You were there as a fucking spectator. I get it. You're, you're happy. But, I mean, he was trying to get into the cage. The ref stopped him from getting into the cage. He was trying to climb over the top of the cage. The ref stops him, puts up his hand, so you can't climb in. So he fucking shoves the ref. Ah, not cool. Not cool of Connor. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand getting excited about, you know, your, your your boys in there fighting in the cage. But you have to let the officials do their job. And, and you can't be shoving refs and stuff even if even if reps uh, refs are doing you know they have a bad call or they they they're not doing their job well or whatever you know they they shouldn't be in there worried about their physical safety and right. they, they shouldn't it shouldn't be a matter of them getting assaulted and yeah at the very end he, he went out of the cage and he was kind of riling up the audience and he hopped back to the top of the cage and he slapped one of the officials in the face and oh what a mess man i mean he's got to realize that in ireland especially in ireland in dublin he's a fucking superhero He's a superhero. You know, it's like he's he's got to act with a little bit of uh I don't know. The word it? is class, Sean, right. class. I wouldn't understand that I'm from Staten Island, but it's <laughs> that's uh, a problem, Sean. You ain't that's a problem, Sean. You ain't got no class. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of class, I'm looking at my video thing here, and it looks like if you put glasses on the person sitting next to you, it's like split vision. You guys both got, <laughs> you got like that same hair growth going on. The whole um, you know, the hair thing where it's the the faux hawk thing, right? The right, faux right. Hawk, yes. It's like I'm I'm not quite sure what the fuck I want to put on top of my head, so I'll grow this thing <laughs> instead. It's you know. So you you wouldn't be the first to make that observation. So yeah, we do have a guest tonight. This is uh, one of my good friends, Sifu Brian Cuddle. He is a uh, a Charlie Foot expert from San Francisco. He also has the YouTube. Uh, page uh, fist with a faux hawk how appropriate right <laughs> and, and uh, he, he came came onto my radar a uh, number of years ago because as you know there's not a whole lot of people in chinese kung fu these days that are doing anything in social media that's even remotely interesting you know a lot of people are kind of old school and they're not really doing anything new you know and so uh i'm a huge fan not just of wing chun and bruce lee and jeet kendo but i love traditional chinese martial arts and I, you know, I saw Brian on this, this like YouTube video a long time ago showing like how to like, you know, fight with benches and, you know, twirl swords and all, all the stuff that like, I don't know, because I'm a Wing Chun guy. We have a pole and two short knives. I don't know anything about twirling swords That's and genetics. benches and stuff. <laughs> and so, you know, I was really, uh, um, you know, I, I love these videos because he was showing traditional Chinese Kung Fu, but he was doing it in a way where it was it, the presentation was really interesting. Um, and, and it was different from all the other videos that all the other people were putting out there. So um, we, we became friends through social media, I think mostly through Twitter and then later Facebook. And we actually didn't, and this is years ago, right? We didn't meet face to face until just a few weeks ago when I was in San Francisco at the culmination of my cross country race. And we hung out and, and it was like, everything was super good. It was like as if we had met many times before. It was very natural. So I thought um, when he was coming to New York for this Urban Action Showcase thing, we'd have him on the podcast and he would be, well, last week we had Bobby and Bobby's uh, the first Kung Fu movie guy we had on. And now this is the first martial artist we have who's not a Wing Chun or Jeet Kune Do guy. And so I figured, um, you know, that ought to be fun. So yeah, Brian, welcome to the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast. Thank you. This is, yeah, this is pretty cool. It's an experience. <laughs> <laughs> At what point did you and Brian realize that you share like 
like your half brothers. It's like, <laughs> well, you know, it wasn't until so a couple weeks ago when we, we went to San Francisco, Brian took me out to like go get some Chinese style like dessert, right? And then we just took a selfie together. And How like one of the comments with that, yeah, one of the comments was like, "Do you guys go to the same barber?" <laughs> because we had the same hairstyle, like the same facial hair, and it's like, of course, he's. We are like the East Coast West Coast versions of each other, you know. Oh, Brian, you had to see a couple of weeks ago. We fucking de- dyed his hair like Eminem. It was, <laughs> it was like a cry for help, man. I wanted to come over there and hug him, but I don't like him enough. <laughs> <laughs> Sean's just jealous because he doesn't have that much hair left. So <laughs> anything hair related, he tends to get a little uppity about. <laughs> oh my God. So Brian, you do Troy Foot? Yeah. So I, uh, I've been doing it since uh, 2000 and uh, studying with uh, Doc Fai Wong. He's, uh, he's actually one of the more famous practitioners and he's been in San Francisco teaching for almost 50 years now. And, um, he's been in Inside Kung Fu magazine. Um, he's been, uh, he has lots of instructional videos. Uh, he's written a couple of books. So That's it's, cool. uh, yeah. 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 Doc Fai Wong's like the man. Like when I was a kid reading Inside Kung Fu magazine, like he oh, was, sure. I, remember. You know, I would see the articles with him. Yeah, of course. Of course. So yeah, he's a student. And I actually got to meet um, the grandmaster when I was there in San Francisco a couple weeks ago, which was super cool because I have his books and I had all used to read all the articles sure, with him when sure. I was a kid. And then there he was, we took a photo. It was really awesome. So, uh, yeah, yeah. And it's also interesting too, because specifically Choi Lei Fat, at least in, in Hong Kong, that, that was like the sworn enemy of Wing Chun. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, my joke, and Sean and I have joked about this all the time. Like Sean and I in general get along better with people from the other styles. Like, uh, than we do with people in our own style. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> although they, they used they, they used to be this animosity way back in the day, but I would way rather hang out with Brian and talk about Kung Fu than hang out with most of the Wing Chun people out there. Well, most one Wing Chun people are assholes. And the only people that are bigger assholes are Jeet Kune Do people. And so <laughs> it's just, I mean, I love Jeet Kune Do and I love like six Jeet Kune Do people. But, um, <laughs> like, well, you know, I always say this, you know, nobody can fuck up Kung Fu better than a Jeet Kune Do person. So. <laughs> so, so Brian, do you, do you, um, you know, uh, obviously you don't have to get in any of the politics of Charlie Fudd, but do, do you also have something similar? Like, do you feel that the politics within Charlie Fudd are way worse than the politics, like between Charlie Fudd and the other styles? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's for sure. I mean, no matter what, you're going to be, everybody has to say that theirs is probably the, the truest or the purest lineage and things, you know, as, as it travels, as it moves out of China from 1836, like there's time, there's distance, there's things that are going to change, but everybody wants to have that purest side of it and be the most correct. And yeah, there's politics there, but definitely not like between the, uh, the other martial arts. Like we go down to, uh, I see some of the, some of the people again, like that we would see like in Kung Fu magazine right. you know, years ago, uh, like Chu Chi Ling and like actually John Leung was there and Lily Lau, like at tournaments and everybody's really like supportive of each other. I mean, uh, Chen Poi and Mimi Chan, they were there right. too. And like, they remember, uh, my grandmaster, Doc Fai Wong and his son and you know, they're all nothing but nice thing, nice things to say to each other. But when it comes down to it, everybody's got to be like, well, you know, you, you know, Charlie Foot, but, you know, it's not all of it. Or, you know, of course, of course. Oh, God, that's nauseating. It's so accurate as far as Jeet Kune Do and Wing Chun also. 
It's exactly it's exactly the same, right? And I, right, I think this is important. Shit. Yeah, it's important for our listeners is because most of our listeners are either Jeet Kune Do or Wing Chun people to see to hear that. Actually, it's the <laughs> same exact thing in every other style. It's this is not something exclusive to Wing Chun or Jeet Kune Do. This is a human being issue, right? Yeah. Right. That, exactly um, right. We're, yeah, definitely. And um, so I, I think though that in general. Uh, like you mentioned, um, you know Chan Poi and Lily Lao and all and Chu Chi Ling and all these like, famous kung fu people. They, it, there seems to be kind of a thing going on in traditional Chinese martial arts where everyone is kind of sticking together a little bit more. And I think a big part of this has to do with MMA kind right. of being very popular in terms of the, the the in the public eye right now. So it makes a lot less sense for kung fu people to war with each other when you know we we now have to kind of go into self-preservation mode where, where we really teach and do things in a way where we keep students and keep people interested. So it doesn't make sense to expend any energy fighting with each other when we have a, you know, a, a bigger kind of war in front of us in terms of uh, staying relevant. And um, right, what about, right. but I, I don't see that happening in Jeet Kune Do though, Sean. I, I don't, uh, because maybe Jeet Kune Do doesn't really consider themselves a traditional martial art the way Wing Chun does. Is, is Do you feel that the Jeet Kune Do people are banding together more now because of MMA or they're trying to pretend that they are MMA? What do you, what do you think? I think it depends on which lineage you're talking about. There are some lineages that are, that are definitely selling themselves as um, a variation of MMA or the birth of MMA. There's uh, different lineages that are specifically trying to distance themselves from MMA as far as they can and, you know, wear the whole, you know, golden black track suits and bullshit like that to make sure, like, you know, they're the purest. Hey, don't say anything about those track suits, man. I have one. <laughs> they're awesome. I know. Just not I, for when you need to use not for when you want to use the toilet in the middle of a restaurant. You have to unzip that thing from the back. <laughs> I almost like unfriended you on Facebook that day when you posted that. Almost. Why didn't you? Go ahead. Go ahead and do it. Do this podcast without me. See how long that goes. <laughs> That's true. Someone's got to pay for shit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, in Jeet I, I don't see any of the factions coming together. I mean, it's like, oh, well, I shouldn't say that. You know, we just went to a uh, just went to the Steve Bolden seminar, and there was probably six or seven different lineages at that seminar. And everybody got along great for the weekend. It was a, it was a lot of fun. It was a cool brotherhood vibe going on. And um, I, I felt that at a couple of the seminars I've hosted, uh, the JKD seminars with Steve, you know, people come together. But when people are separated within the Jikendo community, when people are, you know, in their own little camps, and I, you just hear this like, oh, we have this little nugget that no one else has. Bullshit. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, but it runs rampant in all the martial arts, you know, it's not, it's just not exclusive to JKD, Wing Chun, or obviously toilet foot now. So, so, so Brian, with like the advent and popularity of MMA, um, so what do you think the role of traditional Chinese martial arts is nowadays? Like, like what should, should, should traditional Chinese martial arts reposition themselves? Uh, should we, you know, how, how should we, you know, wh where is our role now in the greater martial arts community now that MMA has such a big presence? Man, yeah. The uh, the thing about it is, it's got so many different attributes to it. You know, you, in the traditional styles, you have a lot that you can expand upon, and I think that's where um, where the general public's view, especially now watching MMA, they have um, the very limited view as far as the potential of traditional martial arts, and that also goes to you know a lot of people having 
secrecy in their styles, you know, trying to just, you know, not show the public that they have legitimate techniques and moves. And, uh, and you know, the thing that I've kind of noticed though recently, and it's, it's tough because there's a lot of things you can say about this, but you're starting to see fighters in MMA that are actually doing more traditional movements. Now. That's right. You kind That's of right. look like there was, there was a period where you kind of had that golden formula of like, you know, you had to have stand up and then groundwork. So they were mixing like boxing or Muay Thai and then BJJ or wrestling. And that was like good enough. You get your knockouts, you get your submissions. But now that that, um, you know, people could go in and do this with just a couple years of training and all of that too. And they became very efficient to the point where they needed some kind of edge and some kind of, uh, they needed to take it a little bit further to be unpredictable. Right. And now you're seeing movements that are coming out of traditional martial arts that, you know, years ago they said would never work. And, yes. you know, um, I remember one of the, like, to go back at, you know, back in the early 2000s, one of the first just one of the second or third kicks, you know, like in the in the ranking system that I learned was this, uh, you know, now they call it the question mark kick. And oh, right. oh, I've never seen this before. And it's something that we did years ago. Yeah. And, and I, I'm not saying that, you know, we invented it like that was, you know, my Sifu was that, like he loved doing lots of kicks at that time. And, you know, that was something that we did. And sure. You know, yeah, that is true, Sean. Have you noticed like in in UFCs in recent years, you see a lot more techniques that one would deem you know that in, you were traditional and like you know 10 years ago people would say oh that wouldn't work in mma i mean when you look at connor connor in my opinion is a template for bruce lee's jkd you know with lead leg sidekick and and doing a lot of things that you you know really only saw in in traditional martial arts and you start to see techniques that you know people didn't think uh would work but it seems to make sense like what brian said like when you have the base of the standard MMA techniques, well, how are you going to stand out? Well, you need that's, to have that's something that's a little thing. bit different. It's it's not only forgive me for cutting in, but it's it's not only I yeah. think it's not only for martial effectiveness. I think it's for a few other reasons. One, there's this whole I have to stand out in MMA. It's I have to you know differentiate myself from other people, just almost even for marketing. You know, and I, and I think like you know you'll see guys do a a a kick from a traditional system from the system that they grew up in. You know, and it, or a technique or a movement kind of thing, almost as a way of trying to stand out from other guys, uh, from other guys that have some, you know, to be different from the Muay Thai, Greco-Roman, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu combination that everybody's doing. And I think the other reason you'll see like um, a traditional martial arts influence in MMA, or I should say, yeah, I think that's why I would think about it, is if you look at a guy like uh, GSP, George St. Pierre, mm. who is in my opinion, one of the best MMA fighters ever holds himself like a traditional martial artist. You know, he, he walks in with a gi top. He, he, uh, he bows, he's very, uh, courteous. He, um, but his training methodology is on point, on edge, progressive, you know, up to the, up to the minute techniques and training methodologies, but he holds himself like a traditional martial artist. And I definitely, I definitely think that 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 makes him more of a well-rounded person and a well-rounded fighter, and 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 for marketing-wise also. I mean, it just makes him unique in the martial arts world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you? How do you guys teach applications? You, you guys have a lot of forms. So yeah. Sean and I did a series about the Wing Chun forms on our last season. Right. Thank and God we were able. Many of them, because. 
I can't remember. Yeah, we, we were able to we were able to, to finish that in six episodes because <laughs> because in, in Wing Chun with the two weapons we essentially only have six forms. Um, so how many and and of course this varies greatly from the various Charlie Fett lineages. Mm -hmm. Cons conservative estimate: How many forms do you have in your Charlie Fett system? So <laughs> this. <is laughs> um, I just want to start a little bit. I want to put a little bit of history behind this. Okay. Just because I know wow, that like, big, huh? a lot of lineages. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a lot of lineages of Choi Le Phet. And uh, the thing that, that my grandmaster did, Doc Fai Wong, he, he learned from three different teachers. And that gave him access to uh, three different lineages of Choi Le Phet, which had very signature forms in each you know, lineage. I mean, it's all the root art, but it was just, you know, wherever it went. One was from Hong Kong area. One was from Xinhui or Sanhui. And, you know, one was from, uh, you know, when it moved over to like San Francisco or like from uh, Futsan. Right. And uh, um, so, yeah, in that total collection at this point, it's over 200. But that <laughs> includes weapons and hand forms. And it's not something where it's not like a realistic picture to, or, you know, realistic thing to be like yeah i'm gonna know all 200 <laughs> look at you, if, yeah. if, if you're all, obviously most people only listen to the audio version of this podcast 200 <laughs> forms if you can see yeah. the video and see sean's face right now it's priceless <laughs> with all due respect are you out of your fucking mind 200 <laughs> that's awesome i mean that you can do that but i can barely get through six <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's funny though, too. It's something in the learning process when you're going through it because that, it just becomes a part of the training. And yeah. there's always a point where you're like, I, I don't know how I can learn more than this. How am I going to remember all of this? And, you know, you end up doing that and you'll always hit a threshold too, where, you know, you know, you don't have to work on these handful of forms because they're pretty down solid, you know, and right, right. Um, there's a lot of recurring sequences in them. So uh -huh. techniques kind of show up again and again. It's just, um, it, it, as far as forms training goes, it's a, it's kind of like that choreographed shadow boxing that they talk about, but it's also, you can go from this position and this movement to another movement, you know, and another stance. So it's, it's trying to provide many, many different options. Right. So how, how do you, how do you guys teach the applications or those forms. So do you do it like you learn the you teach the form and then you teach the applications and then they learn the next form or do they learn a bunch of forms and then the applications? How do you guys do it? It's that's something that's really hard um, to to accomplish um, because you know it, it really depends on each instructor and I think what the best balance or the best approach that I've found as far as uh, passing the applications along is having not teaching every single application in the form mm -hmm. because again, you're going to run into very similar um, techniques and similar combinations and applications. So you kind of look for the, the highlighted applications in each set um, and you focus on those. You make sure that the student understands that application. They go through it, they'll drill it. And then there's also a certain amount of um, training movements in the sets too. And, it's kind of like what we spoke about with uh, Mantis. Mm -hmm. You know, you were telling me as far as like in, you know, the set is is training itself. It's not always just about, you know, this is going to be just a punch. You're punching somebody with this. It's your training and developing the muscles, the tendons. And you, you run into a lot of training uh, styles in that too. Mm. Right, that makes sense. To kind of go 
to go back kind of like um, as far as MMA and even bringing up McGregor, you look at the stuff that he's done with Ido Portal. Yes. So that movement training um, is very similar to um, the monkey form, that at least that we do in Choi Fut. And I know the monkey form has that the history and there's the acting in it. You know, you have to pick a flea and eat it and like <laughs> eat a peach and throw it away. But the I wanted to see Sean do that, by the way. <laughs> is there an elephant? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, there is. That's one of the signature sets of Choile Fut. There you go. That's like one of those ones. It was made for me, Alex. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah. Made that's, for that's advanced. <laughs> well, I, I think uh, to go to Ido Portal, I know because I follow Ido Portal on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And um, if you guys are interested in movement and learning how to move better, you, everyone should follow Ido Portal yeah. on either Instagram or, or check him out on YouTube. Um, he's he's a, a movement expert. He teaches movement. Um, and this is for any kind of sport, any kind of thing you're into. And he also teaches movement to Conor McGregor. And um, this is a kind of a new thing. Kind of, you have functional training, and now there's something called movement training. And this is just to teach you how to move better as a um, human being. And I know that from seeing Ito's posts that he he actually looks at a lot of kung fu stuff in terms of inspiration for movements because he had posted uh, I think a couple Jackie Chan videos where Jackie Chan was just doing a bunch of movements and I also know that he did something at Shaw Brothers Studio a couple of years ago as well oh, so um, it, it it yeah it seems to make sense that he would have a lot of kung fu influence in there um, given that kung fu has so many forms that are just amazing for movement that sounds awesome that sounds that's now, what is your school? How do you run your school? Um, like Alex's school, I uh, I love Alex's school. I don't know if you've been up to Alex's school. I love oh, yeah. that it, oh, it yeah. has a it has an old school kung fu look and feel, but it definitely has a modern vibe to it as well. And I like yeah. that combination. I kind of feel like I, it's it's the best of both worlds. But I realize that's also not for everybody. Yeah, so that's true. That's true. What, what what's your school like? What do you run your your school? Well, we definitely have to keep it traditional and that's like we kind of hit that as well i mean we we have um a ton of like and a lot of chinese martial arts you get you get like the traditional arts you get the banners and you get all these mm -hmm. things these accolades these plaques that you've got up all over the place and you know for having you know so much that uh we have a ton of stuff up on the walls. Every wall is filled with something. And uh, we've got our altar for our past masters. We have the incense area. and But we also have, you know, modern training equipment. We've got all the pads, the kicking shields. We've got, uh, we've got the mats on the ground. We've got grappling mats down. And, uh, you know, it's, you have to keep it a, a very nice appearance because especially nowadays too, when, when on the business side, when people come in and they look at a school, they're not just comparing it martial art to martial art because they probably don't even know the difference between them. They, you right. know, there's a Kung Fu school or there's a, you know, there's a kickboxing or whatever, you know, they don't know. And uh, they're, they're comparing it to the look of when they walk into something like a Starbucks or the look when they walk into like a Macy's, you know, and so you have to kind of keep a specific professional look like you're a legitimate business. You can't just have, you know, Right, this no one's gonna like, no no one's gonna take anybody serious as wearing like a Yankee hat turned to the side and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Well, anytime he's being sarcastic, it's always me. I like, he, I like he's just like, yeah, yeah. And then he turns and looks yeah. like, oh, that's you. Right? <laughs> Actually, you know what I really liked when I stopped by um, Dog Fai Wong School a couple weeks ago in San Francisco? What I thought was really cool is when you see those very traditional Choi Le Fat combinations. And, and for our listeners who don't know, um, Choi Le Fat is kind of on the, on the spectrum of Chinese martial arts. It's probably on the opposite end of what Wing Chun is. Wing Chun being kind of very narrow stance, center line, very kind of infighting, close, um, you know, elbows to the center of the chest kind of style. And Choi Le Fut is this wide, long, wide yeah, range. wider long arm style, wide stances. And they have these swinging punches that if, if one of them lands on your head, your head's gonna go through the window. And right. what I what I thought was really cool is, um, Dok Fai Wong School has two levels. So they have the, the main floor and then you go downstairs and there's another training floor with, all sorts of, you know, like modern equipment and bags and stuff like that. And I saw one of the um, instructors there holding pads for one of the students, almost like you would see in a in a boxing gym, right? But the the student was doing the the Choi Le Fut combinations, like you know these, these swing punch combinations on mitts, and in, in in a very kind of modern way. But it's the traditional kung fu combinations, but it's being trained you know, with modern style uh, mitts and stuff, which I thought was amazing. And and I had actually never seen that in a traditional Chinese Kung Fu school before, which I thought thought was really great. That's cool. That's, awesome. that's I like that. That's, uh, <laughs> that's nice stuff. That's cool. And, you know, Sean, uh, Sean and I have talked about like in Wing Chun, like uh, when another Sifu or let's just say another student comes in to test you out, they always want to do Chi Sao with you. Oh, like, yeah. like, haha, uh -huh. I'm going to test your Chi Sao and see how good you are, right? Well, they have something similar in Choi Le Fud, but it's a little bit different. So in, in traditional martial arts, like Choi Le Fud in particular, they have something which is like a three-star blocking exercise, right? Like yeah, the Sam yeah, Singh yeah. blocking exercise, which is kind of like when two partners face each other and then they swing their forearms into each other in this like pattern to to increase the uh, yeah, forearm condition. Yeah, right? And so that's like a thing that's ubiquitous in a lot of traditional Chinese martial arts. We don't do it in Wing Chun, but uh, a lot of the other martial arts do it, right? Well, that's like the thing that they do to check each other out when somebody else visits from another school. So you, you told me a story like somebody came to the school yeah. and it was like they, they want to like, you know, hit like the, the three-star exercise with you. But that's not like, oh, they just want to see how you do it. That's like... I'm gonna see how strong you are, bro. So, was, is that something that happens? <laughs> like, yeah, that happened. That that's that. Wow. I I still can't believe I was young. I didn't notice it until it was happening. Like this guy came in. He said he knew, you know, my yeah. sifu, my grandmaster, and he uh, he wanted to show his student around. And he, you know, he's one of those guys that's like a master of you know twelve styles and whatever, and doesn't have a school and only has one student. And of course, they're out visiting. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, usually the case. Yeah. So, you know, I had nothing else to do. I gave him a tour of the school. We had a class going on in our upstairs and then downstairs. And I mean, the guy had obviously been there before because we have one of our particular wooden dummies that we have is like, um, it's a log on a spring. So it's, it's kind of like one of those freestanding bags that just kind of swings back and forth, but it's a solid log. And he was asking if we still had it. And I took him into the downstairs so he could look at it. And he was talking to his student about it. And then he turns to me. He's like, yeah, you guys do that. You know, that's something or what, you know, like, right. and I was like, yeah, yeah, we do that. And he's like, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot or anything, but you know, he's never seen it. And, you know, he's talking about his student. He's like, would you do it? You know? And I was like, oh yeah, sure. No problem. Oh, and, God. uh, <laughs> you, didn't, you, you, you didn't just kick him in the balls and tell him to go home. I, you know, 
I ain't really. He was young. Remember, he's telling yeah, you he was young, young when it happened. Right, so yeah. He's not yet experienced. This is the salty old dog telling you what to do now. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, even before he started, he did like the, you know, like when Hong Kong guys like put their like they do the Shaolin thing where they press the hands down or like bring the fingers out. So like he hit his he hit his chest a couple of times and then he like <laughs> stuck his fingers out and like, oh wow, you know, he's he's channeling his chi or whatever so we can hit our arms together. And he starts off, it was like a medium power and I just wanted to match him. I didn't, you know, like want to yeah. show off. Like he had a student right there. There was nothing, you know, for me to prove. But, um, he, you know, afterwards, you know, he goes, we, we go like, you know, 12, like a dozen times. And then he's, you know, he stopped. And, oh, look, how's, how's your arms? And he like grabs onto my arms. I'm like, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. And he's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so let's do it again. And then, of course, he has to like hit his chest again and then like do the fingers down thing. And then <laughs> I, I, hope never, I hope he never gets mugged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hold on a second. <laughs> 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 so this goes on like three or four times. And each time he's just trying to add more power and he's railing into it. And, you know, again, the there's something very specific in how I was taught to do it. And it's not like, not all schools do it that way. Um, actually, Sifu Sharif, he teaches Hungar here in, San, uh, in uh, sorry, New York. Sorry, I'm used to say here in San Francisco, but uh, <laughs> out here in New York. And he, I, I was He's able to meet case, him last right? summer. He's He's there, yeah, yeah. Oh, you, you know him. I do. I know of him. He actually shares a school with, uh, with, with Anthony Iglesias, right? Anthony Iglesias, oh. right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I posted a photo of me with Sharif yesterday. He's a good friend of mine. He's like a little bit I shorter than me. I following you on Facebook. <laughs> he's a little shorter than me, but like he's like thick, you know, like you look at him and he's the prototype of that Southern like Hungar guy yeah. with like the thick form. He's got like sausage fingers. Like his forearms are as thick as my leg. Like they're huge. And he's got like he he it's funny because he's oh yeah hey you know we saw each other at urban action expo and he's like ah oh, you look at that uh the toilet foot you know bridging and he, like he put his arm next to mine like yeah thanks man it totally, <laughs> I, I couldn't even see my arm anymore but, <laughs> but he's you know he he does a different way and his way is like super solid the way that he teaches it and i've seen some videos about it on youtube and i do a different way we focus on rotation of the arm and mm -hmm. so i was able to you know, as we are doing this with this guy, you know, he's channeling his chi or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, he's swinging and he's breaking sweat. Like he's, he's working really hard. And it was just, you know, I was able to match it with the same amount of power, make it. And finally, like after the, the fourth or fifth time he stops, you know, again, and of course, every time, how's your, how, your arms? Okay. Yeah, yeah. My arms are fine. And he's <laughs> like, okay. And he looks at his student. He's like, okay, let's go. You know, you see taught you well. Okay, let's go. <laughs> that's yeah. something straight out of a kung fu movie yeah, yeah that's great. i would have asked him for money i would say okay well then you, owe me, you owe me 150 dollars for the lesson i just taught you <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. also uh, speaking about uh sharif um so brian is in a web series called the uh forbidden or forgotten kingdom and he has a fight scene with sharif with Su oh really Su that's sharif. Sharif. Oh, okay cool Oh, yeah, actually, that one's not in the Forgotten Kingdom. Oh, it's that not. One's, what is that? That one's just a different video. That one is. Good job, uh, Alex. But it was made. It was no. It was entered into the the Urban Action Showcase. Whatever, so, yeah. Sean. He was he was actually supposed to be in the Forgotten Kingdom, but um, the way. So so what what, what was the what so what was that thing that I saw him in with you? you it was just a it was just a fight scene, just straight up fight scene. Is that on YouTube? That's all it was. Yeah, that one's on YouTube. How can people find that? I believe it's on art school dropouts. Those are the guys that do all the videography. They do the editing and everything. So 
they should have it, and I think they give it to him too. So if you look up uh, Sharif on YouTube, you can find him as well. Yeah, and it's a pretty awesome fight scene. It's like Charlie Fudd versus Hungar. It's like it's like very that kind of old school. school type thing. But but what's great about it is unlike most of those movies, you have two legitimate practitioners of those respective styles, right? Because right. When, even when even when they would portray Hong Kun or Choi Le Fat or Wing Chun for that matter in films, it's usually an actor that's just been coached to look like they know that style, you know, like uh, yeah, sure. even Chan Kun Tai, who's a Tyson Pekwar guy, has played a Charlie Fat guy and has played a Hongar guy. And and Donnie Yen, who's a, essentially a Wushu guy, plays the most famous of all Wing Chun fighters, right? So, um, yeah, so what's cool about this is, like, you see a legit Hongar guy and a legit Charlie Fat guy, like, doing their thing, and it's 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 pretty amazing. So what is the um, so what is the Forgotten Kingdom? What is this web series that you're in? So that's a web series. Um, a friend of mine I've known for a really long time, uh, Joey Min from Art School Dropouts. Like, he's, he's also legit. Like, he trained Kung Fu from a very young age. He actually grew up in a temple. And, uh, oh. yeah, it, he was adopted, actually, from there, and that's how he got to the United States. Oh, totally random side story, but... Um, he's legit and he does, he does lots of choreography and we've known each other for probably 20 years now. And he, we've always just been supportive of each other's work. And he made this, uh, he came up with this script about, uh, LARPing, which is live action role playing. If you guys have ever seen it, it's probably been from like that movie, um, gosh, what, role models, you know, you know, they, like, you know LARPing, the, like where people dress up and they basically do like, I mean, sorry. not that I do it. As a young man, I dated girls, so I wouldn't get this stuff. I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, so, I've so, yeah. never heard of LARPing. I'm really old, dude, so you can't go by me. Yeah, so you, you have a lot of research to do tonight, Sean. You gotta, first of all, you got to look up Brian Cuddle's video uh, with Sharif. You got to yeah. look up the Forgotten uh, Kingdom, and you have to look up LARPing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you if you watch if you actually watch through the Forgotten Kingdom, it's pretty much apparent right there. But it's this his idea was he wanted to give um, he wanted to bring people together and have like weapons fighting and things like that in a more modern context. And you know, LARPing is where these guys go out with like foam weapons and they hit each other and they they actually have like a a system of you could die like if you hit the person's arm or you hit their leg, they can't use it. Or whatever. it's like Dungeons and Dragons, but, but they're actually doing something yeah, with each other. Yeah. So he wanted to give it that Kung Fu fighting look. And so he came up with the script and the choreography and stuff. And it was, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Actually, Sounds like fun. Yeah. It sounds like, also, like, it sounds like cosplay. I mean, unless I'm screwing up my turn. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like cosplay, but with weaponry. It's like, it sounds like fun. Yeah, Vincent Lin, um, uh, who's a good friend of mine, also did one of the episodes. He's a Tai Chi master and in, in, in fights using Tai Chi. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, he's in the first episode. Oh, that's the first one. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the uh, the Forgotten Kingdom, for those of you out there, you got to go check it out. Really, really fun. I'm, I've met, uh, I met Joey at the uh, Urban Action Showcase, and, and they, they got to – did they, did they show the whole web series? Oh, yeah, yeah. It, all together, it's like 45 minutes long. Oh, so awesome, awesome. Cool. Yeah. That sounds like a blast. <laughs> So now, Brian, <laughs> did you grow up in the martial arts, or did you get into martial arts as an adult? I got into it in my teens. So in teens. I, right. yeah, yeah, it was. You know, it, I guess it's like one of the most common stories. You know, I I watched Bruce Lee movies and bought a pair of nunchucks, and <laughs> that was it. That's usually the order too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I. I 
I was trying to do a book study because there was really no kung fu schools in my town. And hey, tell me, tell me where you're originally from. So I'm from a little town near Lake Tahoe. It's called Truckee, California, and it's just outside of Reno, Nevada. So there wasn't really much for martial arts. We had like a karate school in town, and I was so set sure. on doing kung fu. And I wanted. I actually didn't know much about um, uh, Wing Chun or Jeet Kune Do at that time either because I really wanted to be like Bruce Lee. So anything that said Kung Fu, I was going to just go after. And so sure. uh, it, it, there happened to be only one Kung Fu school in Reno at that time. And I went there and it was pretty much everything I had looked for. And I didn't realize it was Choi Le Fut until, you know, probably in my first month there, I figured it out. Was that a Dok Fai Wong school or? Uh, it's one of the satellite schools out oh, there. Nice. Yeah. And that's just, that was it. I was hooked. That's cool. I like that. That's cool. Pretty much how most people, like you yeah. said, the, the order was pretty funny. You watch the Bruce Lee movie, you buy the nunchucks, <laughs> or like in my case, I had my dad, my dad made me a pair. My mom dad made one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> took a broomstick, cut it in half, put a yeah. chain on there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like yeah, Put absolutely. some tape on it. <laughs> and then I was giving myself concussions the next yeah. day. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so cool. um, uh, I think uh, I, I may have discussed this before, but um, Bruce Lee's first challenge fight in Hong Kong, uh, the first time he wanted to test his Wing Chun against another style was against a Choi Le Fut guy. And Choi Le Fut and Wing, and Wing Chun kind of enjoyed, at least in the 60s and 70s, somewhat of a contentious relationship. And I think that that doesn't have so much to do with anything particular between the two styles, but it was just that in terms of the spectrum, they kind of represent the opposite end of, you know, how to uh, attack the problem of violence, right? So you have um, really using your entire body and putting your whole waist into it and, and you know, cr creating a, a whip-like, you know, fist in choile foot as opposed to using, you know, extremely like elbow in small structure kind of straight line idea in Wing Chun. So it's kind of like uh, two opposite theories of how you can fight. And so, of course, those people are always going to want to fight with each yeah. other to see which one is better. And uh, the story is, in, uh, Chen Chi Man told me this story that the uh, first time Bruce Lee fought uh, was against a choile foot guy. And the choile foot guy was, was really whipping the snot out of Bruce Lee. And uh, Bruce Lee had become a bit discouraged because uh, they would they would fight in kind of bur not really rounds, but they would do it like in little bursts and then they would stop and then they would get coached and then they would go back. And so Bruce uh, wanted to quit after he suffered some some pretty severe beating to his uh, Charlie Fut guy. And then uh, eventually on the coaching of Wong Sun Leung went in there and, and, and beat the guy. And if you look at Bruce Lee's notes, uh, where he assesses the different uh, Kung Fu styles. Mm -hmm. He had a tremendous amount of respect for Choi Le Fut, and he also thought that Choi Le Fut was uh, perhaps the best style for a multiple attacker situation, perhaps because of the wide movements where you mm -hmm. kind of have to go and thrash a bunch of dudes at the same time while you're making your way to the door. Um, so, you know, definitely um, d despite this so-called contentious relationship, Bruce Definitely had a lot of respect for Troy Fut, and uh, so here we'll give you a very uh, uh, controversial question: If you were to coach a student or a fighter to fight a Wing Chun guy, what would you tell him to do? <laughs> Besides, like you know, shank him or shoot him or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bring bring a weapon. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I guess it would just be more of. 
footwork. And I know, like, because my 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 knowledge of Wing Chun is very basic, if that, you know. So just from that perspective. So's mine, and so Sean's. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, yeah, staying staying off of the center, like just trying to be very active, moving towards the outside, and maybe the legs to set up for angles, but. That's a that's a tough one because I feel like once you move in, if you get caught, like you're you're in a spider web, like you're you're gonna get. <laughs> that's where things are gonna happen. So, it's funny. That's pretty much what I would tell a wing. If you were gonna fight a wing chun person, which is pretty much what I would say. Yeah, move to the side, attack the legs. <laughs> yeah, I would usually just say go in and throw a jab. They don't know what the fuck to do. So, it's right. <laughs> especially the very traditional guys, for sure, for sure. Well, absolutely, I mean, if, you don't, if you've never if you've never faced a jab, if you've never if you've never faced oh man, a yeah. properly thrown jab cross hook combination. Then I don't care how good your kung fu or regardless yeah. whatever your name your system is, it's going to be something new. And and unfortunately, in most kung fu schools, you don't see a you don't see a properly thrown punch. You don't see a properly thrown jab with, with proper footwork, and you you don't see a properly thrown takedown. With, you know, a wrestler's takedown yeah. with a penetration right. step, and mm -hmm. you know they they go for this kind of football type tackle. And oh look here, you can just do this, and you can jump style oh, yeah. and move out of the way, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> and you know, if, if you don't, if they don't train in a in a in a realistic manner, they're gonna they're gonna you know, regardless of how good you are at kung fu, you're gonna get hurt. And I, that's yeah. why I do I do joke about it, saying like you know, oh, what would you do against this system? Well, I throw a fucking punch at him because half the schools don't do that. So yeah, you know, yeah, it's I mean, funny it's you get this. You get like the stylistic technique, like it's your style versus your style, not right, like if exactly somebody comes right. in and throws a punch, like what are you going to do if somebody tries to do this, you know, uh, uh, tiger blocking strike, you know, or, you know, what are they, what are you going to do if they do a sidekick from here? You know, like, yeah, like, you don't get... most you can do schools are uh, right lead, you know, uh -huh. so everybody lines up to spar right lead versus right lead. And then the second you go into left lead, like, they or if you go, down, they go, oh, no, no, go right lead. I have a problem yes. against left lead. <laughs> go, you have a problem against the most common lead used by any fighter in the fucking world? You got a fucking problem, pal. You know what I mean? It's like, like I'm just, again, I'm just talking about my own system here at Chi if you're If you're only sparring right lead versus right lead, well, the rest of the world spars left lead, so you're in a yeah. fucking world of hurt. When next time you go outside your own school, you know it's just uh, it's also just... yeah, that's true. I mean, I think we, we've discussed this on the podcast before, like the the incestuousness of uh, not just traditional styles, but even modern styles. I mean, if you go to um, a kickboxing school, you know what you're sparring is kickboxing versus kickboxing, which is if you're right. training for competition, that makes sense. But when you want to discuss the the overarching topic of self defense, it, it cannot be the same style versus same style. I mean, how many Wing Chun schools? Ninety percent of their training is just chi sao, and any kind of attacking type thing is like a Wing Chun attack, right? Like there's some styles that have. Wing Chun styles that have really good low elbow power, but all the def all the attacks that they practice against are somebody coming at you with low elbow, elbow in, low elbow punch, mm -hmm. and then you all use right. your Wing Chun mm -hmm. techniques. And the moment someone comes at you with a punch with the elbow out, you know, over the top, suddenly they have a problem, right? And and so I think that 
it's important for us in traditional martial arts, but also in martial arts in general, if we talk about self-defense, to make sure that the attacks that we're dealing with are foreign to our style. I mean, you would... It, I would love for Wing Chun to be so popular that the percent that the, the chance you might fight against another Wing Chun person on the street is very high because there are just so many Wing Chun schools and so many people who know it. But unfortunately, that's not the case, right? So, so, um, and it's the same. But jujitsu, Brazilian jujitsu suffers from the same problem. Sport jujitsu people um, are just doing jujitsu versus jujitsu with the gi. You know, the right. most advanced crazy stuff with the gi and and which is obviously not applicable if you're not wearing a gi. And most of the time when they start uh, rolling in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, they're already on their knees on the ground right. and they just start there, right? And they they negate a lot of like, well, how did you get there, right? Are you there because you defended a punch or somebody threw you? So um, I, I, I see it not necessarily only as a problem of traditional martial arts, but I see a lot of martial arts generally stay in their bubble when it comes to sparring and fighting just against the, the same types of things. And, and even when you talk about non-martial artists, like if you look at non-martial artists, it, it, especially people 20 and above today, the age of 20 and above, there, there's so much uh, people watching MMA that they have this. I, I, I heard two guys talking at my job once, and I heard one of them talking about an MMA fight over the weekend. And he said, oh, yeah, and I saw when so-and-so got his underhooks in and had him up against the cage, I knew it was over. And I went up to him later on. I says, oh, dude, I didn't know you trained in MMA. And he goes, oh, no, I don't. I just watch a lot of, you know, MMA fighting, so I know what underhooks are. And I'm like, like, wow, he knew, like, like underhooks and overhooks, and he knew, what, you know. And, like, I mean, maybe he could pull it off in a fight. Maybe he couldn't pull it off in a fight. But, but it's something that if you were going to fight this guy and you were up against the wall, you know he was going to go for, you know. And I think the general knowledge of the average person now – is more in, inclined with MMA be, just because that's what they're seeing on TV every day. You know, that's if, if they're into sports, if they're into, there's not so much boxing, there's more of this like rush wrestling kind of uh, rushing knees, elbows kind of thing. And I think that as traditional martial artists, we almost owe it to our students to even just, just give them a glimpse of that and say like, Hey, listen, this is what you could be seeing. Cause this is what the average American out there is is thinking of in terms of martial arts and i think we kind of owe our students that even and, and just think of how our system deals with that i'm not saying go out and adopt you know making your school a brazilian jiu-jitsu school to deal with this but how to think about it. how does our system deal with this problem what's the what's what's the answer anyway sorry. so uh, <laughs> no no that, that, that's totally legit i wanted to uh, also talk about something because Charlie Fudd has something that makes me super, super jealous. They have all sorts of cool weapons, man. Like we have, we have the two weapons, right? We got the long pole and the bottom dough, but they have like everything, you know? And, yeah. and, uh, so of, of all those, and, and Sean and I have talked about, you know, Sean was like, what was it, that chain that you were into when you were a kid? Or what, what was that uh, one uh, weapon? Kar the Japanese Kar Karasugari or something. The, the, the weighted chain. <laughs> the weighted chain. So, so of all the Kung Fu weapons, what, which one is your favorite? <laughs> um that's a that's a really tough one <laughs> is it like it's, it depends like sometimes you're in a sword mood sometimes you're in like a, a spear mood type thing or yeah 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 some some are a lot more fun to train with some are a lot more fun to just uh i don't know yeah that's Take a true picture yeah, with. yeah. <laughs> Do you, you guys also have the um like butterfly swords like yes. similar to wing chun mm -hmm. too and mm -hmm. and I would assume you have more than one form with those, or yeah, do you, yeah. two, two in particular in the in the style that I teach. And uh, wh which are those forms? 
Um, one we call the Bakwa Wudipto. Uh, oh, Bakwa Wudipto. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. all right, all right. The eight eight trigram butterfly swords. And then the other one is uh, it's just called Plum Blossom Butterfly Swords, but it, that one's from uh, Lao Bun, and he was like known in San Francisco Chinatown. He used to carry a pair on him, like people like he was a strong arm for some of the some of the tongs for a little bit, and he would just carry those around. And were those the long, more narrow ones in those days? Yeah, yeah. And similar to the ones you showed me, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because because we we've had this discussion in Wing Chun too, what what the original knives look like, because there's within Wing Chun there's debate because they're kind of two types of these bacham though the so-called kind of the stabbers and then the the, the choppers right yeah. the choppers are a little bit more wide bl heavier blade and all evidence would actually suggest that the original style of short knife southern short knife were stabbers that they they weren't these heavy choppers that, that we right. like to use nowadays and um and when i was at the at, at his school uh at Tokfai Wong's school he he brought out like an old pair and, yeah. and they were they were the, the straight like the straight narrow style too um does uh the forms that you do do you guys do you guys flip the knives in the forms yeah but it's always very brief mm -hmm. and the technique is very um like once you flip it you're gonna do like one or two things with it it's uh -huh. i i to me i Personally, my, my feeling on that is you, if you're going to be using this, like a lot of people use them like brawling, you know, so you're up against a lot of other guys with swords or knives or like machete length swords, you know, or some clubs and sticks and stuff. So there's really no reason to like flip it over. Right. That's knocked in your hand and then you kind of just try to hold on to it. But right. for the most part, to me, I just don't like losing that distance that you have, that extra reach that you have. Um, just... Yeah, so it's we do flip them, but I think it was just more for you know coordination and yeah, learning how to use the weapon, being yeah. more comfortable with it. Yeah, and I, you guys, I, I, I've said this on the podcast before, and Alex will yell at me for it. But yeah, when um my 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 sifu had asked Moyat about the shape of the knives, like what was you know the original shape of the knives and why, and and um because there's pictures of Moyat using what basically looks like looks like a triangle. It's almost like a triangle blade. It's a stabber. Yeah. Uh -huh. And his answer was, well, because that's what we could get. Mm. <laughs> you know, if we, if, if whatever we could get, that was the knife that we were going to use. <laughs> that people today spend way too much thought as to what was the original one and why was it the original one. And it's more of, hey, listen, no, this is what the guy had. So that's what we used. <laughs> you don't have too many options when you go to your Chinatown store. <laughs> whatever, yeah. they, right. whatever they got on sale, I'll take that. Right. It was like, yeah. you know, he goes, yeah, he's like, you know, why do you have this kind of knife as opposed to a chop or this? And he's like, because the guy said, this is what I have. So that's what I got. You know, it's, <laughs> you know. And what about uh, what about what about pole? Do you guys have a? Do you guys have like we have the Loktim Bungon, which is like an eight and a half to nine foot long pole, and it's essentially a single headed pole where we use one end of it where we don't spin it. Do you guys also have a similar one? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely not the. Well, you know, I can't speak for all of the lineages of Twilight Foot, but right. out of my experience, we have, um, we do have the single end style where it tapers down. Uh -huh. uh, that's the most common, but we also um, they're not as long. There's like the stuffs that you guys use. So they're, they're, um, you heard that folks. If you want a long pole, you got to do Wing Chun. <laughs> <laughs> because so, somebody was definitely overcompensating. They looked at the two weapons. We have like 
of of the of all the bladed weapons, we have the shortest swords, right? So someone's like, that is too salt. And then they decided, like, okay, so we're gonna make up with it by having not like a six foot pole, but like an eight and a half, nine foot pole. Like somebody's definitely comp, uh, you know, compensating for something there. <laughs> and. And we're not going to flip it around or hold it in the middle because that'll make it shorter. <laughs> so we're, we're going to hold it at the very end to get I'm all sorry, the. I'm sorry, we're talking. My pole is too long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is something though. You guys don't flip it around. You don't change the grip or anything. No, it's a um, yeah. It's basically a Dantel Guan, a single-headed uh, pole. Uh -huh. The um, so it also talking to Sharif's Sifu Frank Yi. Mm. Um, you know, our, our, um, our long pole, according to some history is essentially based off of Lance fighting long style spear fighting. So, um, that's why when you look at the, uh, especially if you look at the Lokdim Bunguan techniques, even if not just the Wing Chun ones, but even if you look at the Lam Sai Wing version, if you just, even though it's quite a long pole, if you just imagined a spear tip at the end of it, oh, yeah. all the moves would still make sense. Right. You know, and, and so um, it, it seems that it, our long pole is essentially some kind of modified spear technique. So we, we we use the broad side of the pole occasionally in some of the sweep techniques, but for the most part, we, we kind of stab with it and we, we, we keep it at length. And the um, the one of the original sayings was that uh, you're essentially guarding a door with the long pole. Mm -hmm. So it says like with one long pole, I can keep 10,000 men from entering the door. So it, because the idea was that it was meant to be used in a narrow space, it actually wasn't really meant as a battlefield weapon mm. uh, because if somebody gets to your side, it's probably not the greatest thing to have. Yeah. So, and, and, <laughs> and Frank Yi, who's a very famous uh, Hungar Sifu here in the New York area, um, also the Sifu of Sharif, who you had your, your, your fight scene with, he told me that uh, in the old days when it, when it was actually a lance that they were all kind of in, 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 in like, um, in the military lineup, they were all shoulder to shoulder. Wow. So they would all have the same lead like this. So they were creating almost like a phalanx of, sure. of the, the spears going in there. So because they were all shoulder to shoulder, the movements did not really go beyond 45 degrees to either side. And so that's one of the theories why we have kind of a, um, even though our, we, we have such a long pole, it's actually meant to be used, let's say, like in a narrow hallway or, mm -hmm. or through a door. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, even, even in that I'm way, it's kind of limited. right after this conversation. You might need a. You might need a what? I might need a cigarette after this conversation. Oh, just because I have a long pole, I need it for a little narrow hallway to get it in. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? I, I actually, actually, when it comes to handling your, uh, yeah, right, exactly. Oh, when it comes to handling that long pole, yeah. I, you know, there's a saying I read about from uh, Xing Yi. And they were saying, like, because that was UFA or, or uh, General. Ngokfei, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he, he, um, he taught spear first before creating the hand, like the hand forms. Interesting. Apparently. And, uh, but in spear theory, they were talking about, like, uh, there was a saying, you have front hand, front hand loop, backhand locked. And do you have any kind of, do you have like a, like a firm grip on your long pole when you're, when you're doing that the whole time, or do you actually like let the hand um, have some room to flex in, in uh, in the long hang system? We, we don't keep a super, like a super firm grip on the pole. Um, in, in Southern style, locked in Bunguan, 
um, usually it's the the front hand just kind of uh, guides, but all the power comes from Back the hand. rear hand. Yeah. 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 Right. So and and that's kind of how you can tell an amateur fighter to somebody who really knows what they're doing. Amateurs are usually very front hand, front hand dominant, and and pros Oops. are kind of more rear hand dominant. And that also helps to create that, the, you know, the whip at, at the end of the pole that everyone gets so excited about, you know, making the tip vibrate. Right? Uh -huh. <laughs> Look at him. I, actually, I just said that to see his yeah, reaction. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, it's obviously uh, better done. Well, when, if he had a pole made out of fucking balsa wood so it can vibrate. <laughs> <laughs> like in the films. But uh, Lang Ting in particular implemented a couple grip changes in the long pole form, which do don't exist in the original Wing Chun Lok Tim Pun Guan. Hmm. Lok Tim Pun Guan is characterized by constantly keeping a narrow grip. Okay. Uh, and that we don't we don't change up to a long grip, but Lung Ting added a grip change and a couple little pieces there where you do need to move the pole within the hand. Mm. Um, but but that's specifically his thing. I think in Wing Chun in general, you would keep the grip the same, but it would be somewhat loose. Yeah. What what do you say about that? Uh, you, you keep it a little. You keep it kind of loose, right, uh, Sean? Yeah, it's almost like um, I I look at it like. Um... We take we take the pole and just kind of turn it as if you had a towel in your hand, and and oh, yeah. mm -hmm. I kind of feel like as if you ring it. With the, that's how I think the, we get the grip. I get the grip, and then I would say, especially the lead hand, it's almost all the point of finger and thumb, and the rest of the hand is just kind of just sitting there as a guide, and all the, everything yeah. comes from the rear. That's, actually, that's something too. That's uh, um, that's where you can kind of also see kind of the amateur level with that too, because like how you're saying, you know, like you're wringing out a towel, the position is much more supporting to, to maintain the staff. You're going to have a better grip. You're not going to lose it if somebody's going to try to counterattack or block it if you've got your palm behind it. And a lot of people have that hand rotated a little bit too much so that they have if they right. hit something downward, it's going to pop out of their hand. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's, right. Uh, yeah, that's that's something too. You know, like on those on those finite details, it's all it's all very uh, it's all there. It's like very similar, you know, in Chuile Fight as well. But uh, yeah, we, we got to do the we, Chinese weaponry that I want to learn. I'm never gonna learn it because I'm too old and too fat. But the one that I really want to learn is a Kwando. It just looks incredible. Oh man, yeah, yeah. yeah. you've done a couple tutorials on the Kwando, right? Um, well, horse chopper. Horse chopper, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's I'm a little longer and narrow, right? No, it's the well, the Quando is uh, it's got a longer handle and it's um, the blade is actually much fatter, I guess. Oh, right, right. Explain it. Horse What's chopper is kind of like, like it has like the like a ring on the bottom. Yeah, um, the Quando has that as well. Yeah, I, yeah, that's I, a that's a typical design. Yeah, I like the, that. For those I, long like the that, I like the way that weapon looks when it's used by someone who knows what they're doing. I see yeah, some, yeah, I, yeah. Like, I geek out over that. I'll look at some YouTube videos and just like, wow, man, I, I don't know what he's doing, but it just fucking looks cool. I like that. Yeah, so for for uh, those listening to the show, if you guys are interested in in seeing these these how to use these weapons and different traditional Chinese kung fu methods, things that you can do to kind of add to your game, and and if you ever just wanted to learn these things, you, you guys got to go to Fist with a Fohawk on YouTube and check out Steve Brian Cuddle's tutorials because they're amazing, they're entertaining, they're lighthearted. You can learn all sorts of cool stuff there. What was your favorite of all of those to film? That's tough. There's um. Gosh, you know, there's there was a time where I did a lot of artistic ones, so it, I wouldn't say a thing, but it would show the process of training. Uh -huh. And I think some of my earlier stuff has a lot of that. Nowadays, I just kind of talk through it. It's a little bit more um, educational, but there was a really 
ones. Actually, there was a really good one recently. Uh -huh. and it's not so much a tutorial, but I just did a vlog. I got these uh, melon hammers. They're like um, the, the the more. Are they also called meteor hammers? No, no, that's different? that's at the end of a rope. They're okay. also called like copper hammers. So badass. Yeah. So this <laughs> it's basically like a mace, and you have these double weapons. It's just a solid piece of metal at the end of like a stick, and that I've trained with ones that are just huge and like. Peking opera style, and that's what you commonly see. Uh -huh. And that it's you know it's like the size of your head. It actually looks like a <laughs> like a cantaloupe at the end of a stick. That's awesome. And that's that's just more for show. But the, the, the traditional ones. Head or the size of Alex's head. USOB. <laughs> 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 but yeah, we just did one where we tested them out. So we like actually got it was like fruit ninja we bought a bunch of stuff and just smashed <laughs> the hell awesome. out of it it was a lot of fun super cool super cool so uh um if uh, people want to learn charlie fun from you in san francisco what is the best way how what website should they go to um kfiwongcenter.com and that's the school site if you want to know a lot more about the system there's a huge resource for that and that's plumblossom.net and that's it has a lot about uh, Grandmaster Doc Fai Wong, my uh, Sifu Jason Wong, and just a lot of history on the system. A lot of articles that we've scanned are up on there. And in fact, some of the articles that I wrote are in that area awesome. too. So if you if you look up the articles section, you'll see some of the stuff that I wrote for Kung Fu Tai Chi magazine. Cool. And in social media, how can people connect with you? Like Twitter, India, Twitter, Instagram? Just look up Sifu Cuddle. Like that's the best way. And I literally just sent your uh, friend request about two seconds ago. All right. <laughs> so I, I won't be able to respond until I get back to San Francisco. I had to take Facebook off my phone. It's taking up too much storage. So Yeah, yeah. It, it tends to do that. It also tends up to take up a lot of time too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've been very productive without it on my phone. But yeah, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that. And of course, YouTube. That's been the biggest one. That's how we got hooked up. And uh Super cool to finally have a chance to meet you. Uh, all guys also check out the Forgotten Kingdom, especially episode five on YouTube. That's right. And um, and yeah, this was a lot of fun. Hope to do it again. And uh, Sean, I hope you enjoyed this too. This was a little out of uh, what we normally do, right? <laughs> yeah, no, this is fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's uh, very good. Good meeting you, Brian. Cool, cool, cool meeting you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry, I'm sorry right, guys, like Alex, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. We'll see you next week. Take care. Have a good one, everybody. Bye, bye. Thank you for listening to our latest episode. Please help us get the word out there by sharing this and other episodes on your favorite social media platforms. If you're enjoying the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast, there are many ways in which you can support it. Go to dudesofkungfu.com support to find out how you can help your favorite Kung Fu podcast. We are currently using Patreon to automate great benefits to those who support the podcast. As a supporter of the Dudes, you'll get early access to episodes as well as a number of other benefits based on your donation level. This includes in-depth topic lectures and even monthly live video conferences with the dudes. Again, go to dudesofkungfu.com support to find out more about that. As always, you can help support us in small ways as well. Give us a like at the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page and share links to episodes. If Twitter is your preferred social media outlet, you can follow the Dudes of Kung Fu there as well. Both Big Sean Madigan and yours truly are on Twitter too. Dudes of Kung Fu is now also on Instagram, so tag it along with the hashtag Dudes of Kung Fu whenever you post something related to the podcast. A great way to support the dudes is to rate and review it on either the iTunes or Android app stores. The written reviews are immensely more helpful than just giving us a five-star rating. 
If you have any suggestions for topics or guests, please write us at the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page. Please understand that neither Sean nor I can guarantee a response, but we will consider any serious suggestions. And finally, I ask that you help spread an open dialogue with other practitioners of martial arts. Chinese Kung Fu in particular has long since suffered from caustic political discourse, which can only change with you. Remember, the person you wholeheartedly disagree with doesn't love martial arts any less than you do. Take care, and thank you for supporting the Dudes of Kung Fu!